It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10, 5, victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. 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 Welcome to another edition of the Love of the Star podcast. I am one half of this show. Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas the radio flagship home of the Dallas Cowboys, joined, as always, by Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl-winning NFL scout and co-host of the G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday, and also uh, part-time color commentator for the Dallas Cowboys radio network. Brian, I know you were you were in Denver, got, got to be right up close for that game. Did that make up at all for a little bit of your FOMO about missing the last week of Oxnard practice? It only intensified it, I think, <laughs> because I saw the guys out there warming up before. I saw the crew of Dak and CD and them throwing routes and stuff, and I'm thinking, man, I need to be going to these practices, these joint practices they're having. But I think when you look at overall uh, me being there, yeah, it would be fun, but I think they accomplished what they wanted to on this trip. I know it was a loss, but I think they accomplished what they wanted to on Thursday with the practice with their veterans and then getting some young guys, some, some game action last night. And so the score didn't reflect how they played. The penalties and stuff were awful. I know we'll get into that, but there was some really good individual effort and I'm not trying to blow smoke and sunshine up everybody's butt right now. (laughs) But just watching the game and calling the game with Brad, there were some things I noticed that were that were really kind of positive. And, you know, there's other things that they're clearly going to need some work on. Yeah, I mean, I think that there was a, a lot of good, a lot of bad. I think the main bad, obviously, that everybody's talking about coming out here, you referenced there is the penalties. We'll get into that on its own topic sort of a uh, little bit later here. Uh Let's let's start a little more negative, then we can go positive, so that we end this segment on a positive note. Uh, first couple guys that stand out to me as, as having issues in this game, I mean, the obvious one is Nashawn Wright. Nashawn Wright had a lot of trouble, and I thought a lot of times he was in decent position. He was just not able to finish plays. They picked on him a little bit. From my count, it was seven receptions, 119 yards, and a touchdown allowed in the first half rough day for him, but I didn't think it was just a complete lack of ability. I just thought he was, you know, just a a tick off in coverage a lot of the time. Cowboy fans don't want to hear me say this, but he's practiced very well. And there's people that went after me a little bit on Twitter for saying that. And, you know, I get it. You know, you talk about the Allen Iverson, his practice, you know, why can't he do it in the game? Nation Wright in practice his technique has been really good. Eyes were good. Positioning was good. Finish was good. He had some trouble in that game yesterday where I felt like 
it kind of snowballed on him a little bit. Yeah. You know, he gives up a pass and now he's kind of, oh, okay. But when I called the play and then I called the replay, it was, man, his eyes were in a bad spot. Man, if he would have just got his head around a little bit quicker. Hey, if he would have read the route a little bit cleaner from the start. You know, these are things that if you're physically not good enough, you could tell that. But I've seen him in those practices cover the C.D. Lambs of the world and the Noah Browns and guys like that that were kind of heaping a lot of praise on, Simi Fajoko. You know, I've, I've seen him cover those guys. And that game yesterday, or on Saturday, excuse me, uh, I felt like that he went backwards a little bit on his technique, and it cost him. And I, I believe that when Joe Witt and Al Harris sit down with him and point out, listen, this is how you have to position yourself. This is where your eyes need to be. This is where you have to keep your off hand. You know, this is how you have to track the ball. And that's all correctable. So I'm not really worried about right in that way because I've seen him, no pun intended, I've seen him do it the right way. And that's the thing that I'm going to, now, if we get into more of these preseason games next week against the Chargers and then later with the Seahawks, and we still continue to see the same problems, then you're, you're not going to see him play because you can't put the guy out there if, if he's going to play with, with bad eyes and bad technique. Yeah, and, and I think that, like, like you mentioned there, there, there's a lot of correctable stuff I think that we saw. Um, and even even in those moments where where he maybe wasn't at his best, he was still making you, you were still seeing positive aspects of like him making the wrap up tackle in the open field. I think on that third yeah. straight catch he had allowed that that was a really good play to set up uh, third and short, and ultimately they get a turnover on downs there. A um, couple other guys who were were pretty tough I think from yesterday. Cooper Rush was really not good at all. Um, he looked a little rattled at times. Seemed like you know he 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 was feeling the rush a little bit. Uh, no pun intended. I, I thought uh, Aviante Collins, Josh Ball, I think they struggled a lot in pass protection. Run blocking as a whole I think was pretty good, but the, the pass protection was rough from the backup tackles. And then the guy that I don't think has gotten – there hasn't been a lot of talk about his performance, but I thought it was a really disappointing day from Jalen Tolbert. Yeah, and let's start on that one if we could. Yeah. I'm interested to see the tape – because I felt like there was a couple of times where balls came his direction going inside. And instead of being physical and extending and going and getting the football, he crumpled. Yes. His legs got weak. His base got weak. His, his ability to extend got weak. And it allowed him to be defended well. And I felt like there was a couple of times where that happened. He, he made, a, uh, I know, a catch across the middle and, and was able to extend and, and you know, get up the field. But when they really needed him, you know, running those inside routes, boy, I felt he was just not nearly strong enough to go say, hey, that's my football. I'm going to get that ball. I mean, you saw that last night from the Bronco receivers, especially with Rippon in there throwing it. Yep. You know, hitting and those guys, they they went in there and got that football. They weren't going to let the Cowboy corners cover them. And I felt like with Tolbert, his first NFL experience, 
it was a little bit of like, oh, I'm not too sure I need to be in here doing this kind of a thing. So yeah. that was just an observation from the press box. Yeah, and I, I think that this is a dirty descriptor and you don't want to saddle a guy with this if it's not completely fair. We get it was the first game, but for one play, when he dropped that pass on third down, yeah. it, it felt a little like, I don't want to get hit. It felt like he pulled back yeah. and, and pulled his arm. He alligator armed it a little bit. And then he can't do I used that. to work crumpled because I yeah. felt like his whole body went weak. I yes. felt like his base, his upper body, his shoulders, the extending of his hands, everything just went weak. And it was like, okay, I'm going to, it's, it's kind of like when you're, you know, I'm, one of my favorite sports is auto racing. And you see these drivers when they know they're going to get hit and get wrecked, yep. they let go of the steering wheel and they just kind of, they kind of cover up, you know, and just let him get banged around a little bit. Kind of felt like that he let go of the steering wheel and and kind of got banged around a little bit, and, and it, it resulted in a negative play. Before we jump over to some more uh, some of the more positive performances, anybody else stand can out? I, can I say something real quick about those yeah. offensive tackles? Yeah, yeah, jump on it. Yeah, ball played the entire game basically. I felt like until they moved Alicone over there, and and, yeah. and he got opportunity. So with Ball, was it pretty all the time? No. Was it better than I thought it was going to be? I would say so. He got beat one time inside pretty bad, and that's just, again, the lack of power you see sometimes with him. On the corner, he, you know, I'm going to say, and I'm not making excuses for the guy because I throw a ton of dirt on him, I feel like, a lot of the time. He, He played a ton of snaps, and all of a sudden he got tired and his technique just went completely out the window. And it became, okay, how do I survive? And, you know, he just wasn't conditioned to play an NFL game. And he played a lot of snaps. But I'd say there were some good things he did. I'm saying the running game, he wasn't terrible. You know, maybe the film will show that I'm wrong about that. But I felt like all five of those guys, when they wanted to run the ball, they were pretty effective doing run, it. Run blocking the, was good. The pass broke. Yeah, was the, not penal- great. the penalties is what kind of set this team back when it came to trying to get any rhythm. But the focus on ball, a lot of snaps, grade the good snaps. You also have to grade the poor snaps. I didn't think he was the biggest liability last night at all, though. I really didn't. You no, know, and I guess the, the one word stood out to me, the, like the lack of power. I don't know if you recall the play. I think it was a fourth down play where they got hit with a twist on the left side, and Tyler yeah, Smith it, that, and Josh yeah. Ball, they were double-teaming yeah. it, and yeah. Tyler Smith left to go pick up the, the rusher right. coming inside. And as soon as Tyler Smith left, Josh Ball lost, and, yeah. and the rusher was able to get free and, and break up the play. And that was one where the, the power really stood out to me as, as yeah. lacking. If we want to talk about... lose, Bobby, if he's going to lose, it's going to be because of power. Yes. Or lack, or lack of. Yes, that's, a, that, that's, I think, exactly the way to describe it. Um, when we talk about the good, I think it's got to begin up front. Like, to me, the best football player on this team last night was Deron Bland. I thought Deron Bland, the, the fifth-round pick, the, the cornerback, he played incredibly well. And, and not just with, you know, not just in coverage. I thought he, he played with, you know, really good instincts in the run game in a couple instances. I thought that his coverage was really good. His technique looked solid. He looked, you know, just sound all the way across the board. I think we saw last night in game reps what it is we've heard so much from this team about what they like about him. Yeah, I what I was really impressed with Bobby, and I was watching him, you know, that first 
play balls thrown to the outside and he is driving i mean in a hurry yep i thought he did a great job i'm using the word great because i really do believe it a great job of seeing the play and what was going to develop in front of him and his ability to come forward and tackle and be that guy i i think that says a lot and then you watch him Throughout the game, when he's in there, he's playing in the slot. Yep. And I'm thinking, oh, we got one of these guys. You know, a little bit like what we get with Anthony Brown, that ability to play on the outside and then also play in the slot. And he made several plays out of the slot. I th- These young guys, if they can see it and they react and they finish – He's going to find himself playing on Sundays for this football team. Yeah. Because coaches, you know, if coaches look at that and they go, oh, okay, well, there's some there's some football intelligence. There's some instinct. Oh, look at that finish. Oh, there's some physicality there. I would say that he was the one guy on defense. And there were several on defense I felt like that, that stood out uh, individually that, that made plays that, that got them – that got them noticed. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. I think the next area when you talk about defensive players standing out, I thought it was nice to see the interior defensive line picking up from what we had seen in practice. I think that they showed up in a big way for much of the night. Neville Gallimore, Tristan Hill, Quentin Bohanna, all guys who were, were making splashy plays. When we talk about a guy like Bland, where it's you know uh, a guy who we were starting to see what we had heard the coaching staff tell us about from practice. I think another guy who was that guy for me last night was Dennis Houston. Houston had just one catch for 18 yards, but I think you saw, you know, he had that one where Cooper Rush sailed it far right on uh, a uh, a third down play. Third but, down. I mean, he runs a great route, and Cooper Rush has got plenty of time. Yeah. Pocket, you know, front of the pocket clean, edge taken care of. That's a pitch and catch on an out that, that, that was going to finish – two yards beyond the sticks for a first down. And Cooper Rush just completely panicked on the play. Yeah, And Houston did the best he could to get downhill and try and get the ball. But, you know, as you mentioned, the pass was just nowhere in the same area code. That's one of those routes that I think you notice a lot of times younger players struggle with is that comeback route where they're they're aggressively selling the vertical and then they're able to put on the brakes and come back and get that separation. And he did – everything right on that route when he had the in-breaking route that picked up another first down I think you saw some of the clean route running that they really like about him yeah you mentioned that route Bobby the one that they missed on Cooper Rush on the you know for the third down yep that usually young receivers run that route too short he makes the catch but he's a yard short because he didn't get the proper depth that's what your sources have been telling you all about Houston. The route running, the football intelligence. Right the ability place. to be told one time and get it right. Yep. And he was beyond the sticks. Cooper Rush, veteran quarterback. Terrible throw. Got to be better on those throws. But there is something that you can evaluate there and say, when Dak Prescott's in the game, okay, Dak Prescott's going to hit that throw we trust. So, okay, yeah. here's a guy in Dennis Houston who knows how to run that route, is in the right position, 
runs it really efficiently, does a good job selling the vertical route, does a good job putting on the brakes, coming back to the ball. Getting past the sticks. Yeah, that's a yeah. big that's a big part of route it. Route depth. I mean, that's important. Route depth in that situation is important. Absolutely. Uh, and then just a, a couple okay. others uh, before we transition over yeah. here. I uh, thought the running game was really good. All the backs, Dowdle, Davis, Shamplin, yeah. I thought they were good. And I thought the young tight ends, Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot, looked really, really good to me yesterday. They sure did. They sure did. And if I could throw – did there's this kid that I didn't know very much beforehand, and you try and watch him because he doesn't get a lot of opportunity in practice. Story Jackson yes. was the one – I thought there was a couple of different times. I know one time in the hole he avoided a block – came up, made a hit on the ball carrier right there at the line of scrimmage. There was a couple of different times where I noticed him getting out of piles, where he was uh, finding the football, getting over, physically finishing, wrapping up, uh, tip of the cap, because there's some guys that don't get a lot of work at practice. You know, you don't, you just don't see him out there on the field. Ben DiNucci, let's be honest, Ben DiNucci doesn't get many two-minute drive opportunities. Nope. You know, but the ones that don't get those opportunities show up. And, uh, again, tip of the cap to Story Jackson for what he was able to do. Yeah, I think Story Jackson is a guy who, who flashed for sure and and showed a good ability to kind of, like, dip the blocks and, and get to the ball. And, and so that was exciting. And also – as I've already said, I think a guy who had a great night last night was Will Greer, and that's just because of how terrible Cooper Rush was. I'll tell you what, that was um, – if you can ever benefit from not playing a game, Will Greer clearly won that one last night. <laughs> uh, you're listening to The Love of the Star. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Well, I think we all recognize that this isn't the regular season. So I, you know, I understand, that, you know, your question. And as far as you know, last year was last year. Um, I think you know, really last year, as far as trying to establish a play style and an identity, um, you know, it took us a while to get to that. And you know, once we did, we were, you know, won a number of games. So this is really the starting point that you go through every year. So this this is preseason. I don't think this has anything to do with last year. I mean, obviously. You guys get to write what you want, but uh, you know it's it's a starting point. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't like I don't like the number of penalties. You know, made it clear. I talked about it at halftime, and um, you know talked about it briefly in there. So we'll take a long look at it. But I am excited about the the fact that you know we were able to come up here and run a lot of plays, and you know, and, and I like the way you know we ran the ball and, and stopped the run. So that, that's a good starting point for us. It's 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 a bigger emphasis this year. <laughs> 
Mike McCarthy sounding uh, a little bit defensive after last night's game when the question was asked about the penalty issue carrying over uh, here to the first game of the preseason. 17 penalties for 129 yards. This coming after 14 penalties in their last game in the divisional round. Um, man, I get that you don't have all your normal play- players in there. You've got some rookies in there. You've got some guys getting a feel. There's going to be sloppiness. There's going to be mistakes. But 17 feels egregious, to be honest. But uh, a little bit of maybe a little defensiveness there from Mike McCarthy talking about you guys can write what you want. And, uh, you know, I well, I think we won a lot of games once we established our identity last year, which I know you love I, team identity questions there, Brian. Uh, I'm a big fan of the team identity <laughs> You are. Question. You are 100%. Uh, your thoughts on, I guess, the penalty issue and, and what Mike McCarthy had to say, they're not just about the penalties, but also about, hey, it was good. We were able to come in here, do some nice things with the running game and, and run a lot of plays and, and get those reps in. I appreciate the fact that he brought up the preseason aspect of what's going on, but, you know, they do have officials at practice, collegiate officials, high school officials. Sometimes they have NFL officials that show up for these practices and work with them and tell them, hey, you you can't get your hands outside the framework of the body here. Uh, You know, you got to line up on the line. You can't be back here. Uh, You know, when you – when you go in motion, you can't start at the line of scrimmage. You got to stay parallel. These are all things that uh, that they go through, and I'm not saying that they have to be perfect. But I've watched a bunch of games this weekend. I didn't see other NFL teams getting 17 penalties. Nope. I think the most I saw was New England had 11. Is what I saw, and, and you know that's very high for a Bill Belichick team. I will say this also. I thought Alex Kemp's crew had a rough day yesterday, or a rough yeah, night, if yeah. you want to talk about it. Uh, specifically, Mike Morton, the umpire uh, that stands next to Alex Kemp, I thought he had a rough game. Uh, there were several calls. and I'll look forward to seeing the, uh, the All-22 and really seeing, I felt like that Tyler Smith, there was a holding call on him where his guy was going to the ground and he gets called for holding. Uh, okay. But it just seemed like that there was just, I know that Sprinkle had a holding call, but he, and I, I remember the play vividly, the ball was, was going behind him. And it's an easy call because he did. He had a handful of his man because he didn't get off the ball well enough. So he was trying to keep the guy from getting a tackle for the loss. Might have should just let him get the tackle for the loss instead of get a holding and you know costing your team ten yards. But I I just felt like that that Alex Kemp's crew wasn't at their very best. And specifically, I, I single out you know Mike Morton the the umpire because I felt like that there were some plays the outside there that you just got to let those go. That's that's football. You can't. Every time you run the ball the edge, you you have a holding call basically. I it's not not like that all the time. Yeah, and and I'm glad you brought up the Tyler Smith question because I think there was some some good and some bad for Tyler Smith's game. Um, stuff that I think you can be really positive about though coming out of that game. But before just diving into his question about his penalties and how that affected his game, when we talk about yeah, there were some ticky tack penalties. How concerning is it though when you talk about some of these penalties are? A veteran like Terrell Basham getting a late hit. Yes. A Kelvin, yeah. a Kelvin Joseph lining up offside yes. on a field goal. Yes. Those are the things that it's like, okay, what are you guys doing to prepare this well, team? 
yeah, that should be one of the six you have for the game. But Brad Sham said it on the radio, and he talked with Bones Fossil about this, that Bones goes into these preseason game with real no with really no plan. And I felt like, boy, that's strange. Well, you kind of saw a team that played special teams that didn't have plan yesterday. Uh, punt return average was, you know, poor against them. Uh, they had a punt tipped that was, you know, they almost had that field goal that uh, Hialeah, he, that he, you know, he, he hit it, but it was almost blocked off the right side. You know, you know, you talk about having not having a plan or having a plan. I would like to see him have a plan about how things are going to be handled on special teams. And do you, you know, do you? I mean, we we were out there a bunch, Bobby. They work on field goal rush. Yep. You all you have to do is look at the official and point and say, "Am I on? Am I on?" And they'll nod and they'll tell you. They'll tell you to move back. You know, they'll say, "Get back, move back." And you, you know, if you move back, you're going to be on side. That's all. That cost them three points. But think about that in, you know, I know it's a preseason game, but think about that with having a final drive to try and maybe go tie the game or win the game with a two-point conversion without right. that field goal. They had a missed – it was a missed field goal, a missed field goal before half. You know, that's big. And, you know, those three points really, you know, they kind of put the game in another little bit of direction. But I – the penalties, coaches will tell you I don't coach penalties. But you also have to be very mindful about the players that you have, the players you put out there. Are the players smart enough to not football intelligent wise not to get penalties at crucial spots? You mentioned that real quick uh, about the the roughing the passer yeah. penalty. I'm not talking about the Sam Williams one because I thought that was nothing he horse- could do. There, that was horse s. To be honest with you, that literally, I'm watching the play. Ball leaves Ripon's hand, and he's got one step, and he unloads. Got it. That's clean football. Clean football play. You know, that's a big-time hit. It's not a roughing the passer point. But think about the other one when there was third and 12 or third and 13. Fowler jumps off sides, you know, and then they get the – and then Basham gets the penalty for going low. I mean, you're veteran players. Those are veteran players right there. You're getting off the field. You know, that's not rookie guys making those mistakes. Those are two veteran football players. So that part of it is 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 troubling for sure. When we and, and just really briefly, I want to jump back to something you said. Talking about the special teams looked like they didn't have a plan. I'd agree with that. I do well, want to Bone says he doesn't no, have no, a plan. No, yeah, no, and that it looks like it. No, I get it. That you say it doesn't just it's they, not they that it doesn't have like one. They didn't it have it a also plan looks yesterday. like it. hundred percent. The one guy that I will say stuck out to me on special teams yesterday, Jaquari Robert Roberson. He great job. He had, flyer. A, he had yeah. a couple really good reps there, uh, and then had that one where he pinned it down at the one. So I just wanted to single him out as that was a positive one. No, absolutely. And you know, we've we've I was hearing some things. I said it on the broadcast. You know, some people were saying, "Listen, the whole problem, you know, with Garibay." wasn't always Garibay. Keep an eye on what's going on with these snaps, you know, and the field goal that they had, the field goal attempt, you know, whether that was a, you know, wet ball situation. I want to believe it wasn't a wet ball situation because those kicking balls are held until they put them out there on the field. 
Yeah. You know, it's not a ball that's been used in play for, you know, normal down and distance. It's a kicking ball. So those balls I'd say are, you know, pretty dry and, but they had a problem with the, you know, they had to go back and, you know, I think Michael Gelkin, if you check his Twitter, he had an actual picture of how it was, you know, it was Brian Anger had trouble with the, the handle. Was it the snap not there? Was it hard? You know, I, those are the kinds of things you can't have happen to you. But, man, the punt return unit, they didn't, they, you know, other than, other than you know, maybe a couple of kicks or punts they were able to cover and, and be in position, that's fine. But, man, they give up some big return yards as well. Absolutely. Now, on that penalty question, there were two on Tyler Smith, two holding calls, which you knew that was going to get a lot of people worked up because of the issues that he had at Tulsa. And honestly, there was a time or two where I thought he could have been called for it, and he didn't. Just Is that an instance right there with Tyler Smith where, look, there, there's going to be still some growing pains. You're still breaking certain habits that he probably had at Tulsa, and his hand placement, his hand yeah. usage, it's going to take a little time. I think his hands are honestly better than what they were at Tulsa. They are. There's already yeah, improvement. Yeah, you could already see, and maybe that's working with Duke and guys like that that have kind of helped him along. But he was really bad with feet and hands at Tulsa, and he's gotten a lot better. I'll say this. Young guy, first NFL opportunity, playing a lot of snaps, there's a lot going through your mind. And and you revert back to some bad habits when you get tired because you're just trying to survive. You're just trying to survive. You're not you're not in game condition. You're not you don't understand the real speed of the game. I'm not making excuses for the kids because I feel like he's come a long way from yes. Tulsa film. Yep. Tulsa film will scare you. Dallas Cowboy film will give you some encouragement that this son of a gun's got some upper body power and strength to him. And when he gets the hand placement and all that right, you, you, we interviewed a bunch of those Cowboys defenders that say, hey, when he gets his hands on you, it's church. He's it's so done. strong. It, yeah, it's, so. it's unreal to see the power out there. And I actually think that's an interesting point. You talk to a lot of people at the Cowboys, and they will tell you they think a big portion of his penalties came from just his play strength. And I know yeah. some people hear that and they kind of go, well, that's kind of odd. What does that mean? I'm going to play a clip here because this is what it reminded me of when I was watching him yesterday. Uh, back in 2018, Tyron Smith was getting flagged for holding a lot. And Jason Garrett was asked about that and said, what's the deal? Is this because of his elbow? He's just having problems with his technique. And he gave a really interesting answer that I think applies to Tyler Smith about why Tyron was struggling with holding calls. Tyron's elbow limited him at all in terms of his ability to punch or catch guys. Has that been any factor in the holds that he's had? No, actually, many of the holds that he's had, he's been in great position, uh, clinic reel type position. And I think the biggest thing that he has to learn is he has such great hand strength that he has to he has to let go because uh, they're calling those plays. But uh, I think if you look back at really all the holes that he's had over the course of the year, he's been in outstanding position, great sets, great position down the field on guys. You know, most of the holding penalties uh, are called when a player is out of position and he's kind of reaching and grabbing and is compromised and his haven't been the case. So he just has to have more discipline at the end of the down, releasing, uh, releasing the guy he's blocking because he's done a really good job getting himself in a great position to block him the way we want him to. Is that counterintuitive to release a guy as you're yes. blocking him? How is that teaching point? I mean, it's because it's, okay, you're, you're getting these called on you just because you're so damn strong, your technique is great. 
you've just got you've got to back off. That's, that's yeah, and, and, and that's not unique to him. I mean, that, that happens a lot, particularly on the edges when you know a tight end is blocking maybe an outside linebacker and he has him, and the guy starts to pull away. You just have to be careful about staying in that block, and uh, you know that's something we'll continue to try to teach. Brian, is that something that Cowboys fans, if they hear Tyler Smith getting flagged for holding, I think a lot of them will default to, wow, awful technique, look at him. But, I mean, should we prepare this season for some of it is just going to be the case if he's so physically domineering, he's going to get flagged for some honestly BS holding calls this year? You're going to see some guys flail like they're flopping in soccer. You know, when guys get hit in soccer matches and they just throw their hands up and flail and flop and all that. Because that's the the new thing in the NFL. These guys, if they're getting just driven off the ball, and then the ball comes behind them in their or in their in their area, they'll throw their hands up like they're getting held. And Jason Garrett makes a very good point. If you're so strong in your hands, and most offensive linemen grab the breastplate of the shoulder pads and hold, that's where they grab and control and to his point, Tyron is just or Tyron had to learn how to, you know, if the he would hold this guy up and, and the ball would be passed, you just gotta learn once the ball, you have to have feel that once the ball gets past you, just let go. Because you're gonna see guys flail and flop and do all that to try and draw holding calls. So Jason Garrett's right in that regard. It'll be uh, an interesting thing to watch with Tyler Smith to see if, if that just ends up being some of the issue because he is, when we watch him on the field, I feel like he's the most powerful person on the field at any given moment. Uh, you're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it's now time to turn the show over to our dear listeners and let them ask the questions of us here for our Twitter mailbag. And we're going to start off here with our buddy, our, our good friend, our good listener, a, uh, a Tolo over at 105 Through the Fan, and also a, a loyal listener here on Love the Star, Dr. Mark. And Dr. Mark says, how much of Jalen Tolbert's struggles were his own, and how much, if any, were due to deficient quarterback play from Cooper Rush? Uh, some of it maybe is, is Rush. May, like, I, I don't know who you who would you give that interception to on the fourth down? Would you say that that was an issue with Cooper Rush, or was that... Jalen Tolbert's, you know, where he ran the route? I'll tell you what. I I wish Cooper Rush, it looked to me like he was very predetermined where he was going to throw that football. Yeah. But but I'll tell you what, man. He had Rico Dowdle, I believe, in the flat. It just just took off down the left side there and just almost like an arrow just went, you know, and nobody went with him. And it could be one of those things, if he throws him the ball in that situation – it's a it's the ball's going for inside the red zone. I mean, it's going to be a sizable gain. Um, Cooper tends to throw the ball kind of just into a predetermined area. Christy Scales said from the sideline last night that the ball came out of his hand really funny. Yeah, it, it did. It, it a, wobbled. It wasn't a spiral, and it just so maybe you're in a situation again, not trying to make. Uh, Jalen Tolbert a, you know, give him a break here, a pass. He was covered very, very well on the play. But for some reason, that ball had no direction and really no zip on it for any anybody's good there. So uh, I don't think the, that he gets blamed for that one. But we mentioned earlier in the broadcast, 
I felt like there was a couple of times where he crumpled a little bit. Yep. His body, his body strength just left him. And I think that cost him in a couple, a couple of plays uh, in that game. A uh, question from TJ McCauley. The battle for running back three, does Rico Dowdle or Malik Davis have any clear advantage? Does either play special teams? You know, I, I still feel like Dowdle's the guy they like a lot. I, I, you know, the old famous Joseph Randall quote about leaving meat on the bone uh, right. out there. I feel like Dowdle really doesn't leave meat on the bone. I feel like he gets pretty much everything that's out there for him when he when he touches the ball. And, and he does return kicks, so that's a positive aspect. But I also know... They really like Malik Davis. They believe Malik yeah. Davis is a complete back who can do everything they need. Um, so, honestly, I, th- I think both those guys have a, a good shot to make this roster, but I do think Dowdle is ahead of Davis for them right now. You know, it's funny you say that, Bob, because I watched Davis play at Florida, and they I think they had three or four backs. I never saw him. You know, it wasn't like he got any kind of real rhythm in the game. Yeah. And he, he didn't. He looks better as a pro than he did at Florida. And and you talk about the complete back. Yeah, he is tough on the blitz pickup. He catched the catches the ball well. That was something he did at Florida. But they didn't have a lot of opportunities to really, really run. I remember watching all his carries. I'm like, man, he didn't get very many carries here. But he's doing a nice job. Um, you know, when when uh when Dowdle was out with COVID. Yeah. Uh, I was following along with you guys. I know Todd Archer from ESPN was talking about the number of reps. I know you mentioned the number of reps he was getting when you were watching practice. He looks like a better pro. And they, matter of fact, I remember this vividly because you told me, you said in the, in the spring, you go, you got to watch this guy because they really, really like him. And that's really the only reason, because if you look at the numbers from Florida, they're not really super impressive at all. And but they were on him, and he was even a thirty visit guy. Yeah, I mean they they had they had a vision for the player, and I man, it's I think the nod right now would go to Dowdle because they know him a little bit better. But there might be enough people. I, I guarantee there's a lot of people in the league now that are like going, "What do we have on the Davis guy coming?" Oh, we had him as a priority free agent. We had him as a free agent. We had him as an undraftable guy. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of scouts that are going, well, maybe he should have been on our board because he's running with some toughness right now. If if Pollard is going to be splitting time essentially and not be, and he's not a full-time running back, do you think there's room to have Davis and Dowdle on the roster? Or is that just too heavy? Man, that's asking a lot. That really is. Because I have a feeling they're going to have to carry an extra receiver because of the situation. We'll see with Gallup how that – I keep – I keep throwing it out there about that they know something that we don't know that, you know, that's why they're not really concerned about what's going on at wide receiver. But I think it would be very, very hard for them to carry four running backs just because I think they're going to need, I think they're going to need other spots. You know, I think they're going to need to find ways to, they might want to carry an extra defensive back. They might need to carry an extra linebacker. You know, there's, I was really kind of disappointed when I watched, Jabril Cox working out with the early group, yeah, you know, with the the group that you that the the don't play group, because I was thinking, man, if he could just get in there and show me a little bit, but you know, they might have to keep they might have to keep an extra linebacker or two. Stephen Johnson says, uh, cornerback number twenty six, that's Kyron Brown, 
got uh, hurt. Yeah, he after did, he, he did, broke up he, a pass, he got dinged up at the end. But he said, uh, "Why is he not getting love for his play? Two crucial pass breakups could have had yeah. a pick six. He was really good last night. He had two really he nice was. plays in in the goal to go situations. Broke up a play on fourth down. Had that other pass breakup where he got hurt." Man, it's just it's such a deep room. I'd have trouble seeing him make the roster, but he he was impressive last night, and he's had a couple good practices. He's going to get more opportunity. You know, that's we're going to have a game against Seattle where I guarantee he's going to play the into, the entire game. You know, yeah, him and Isaac Taylor Stewart, our guy, they're going to play. They're going to play a, a whole whole game. Uh, Quandre Mosley, that's another guy that's going to be. With, Mosley had some good and some bad last night. He sure did. He sure did. But those cats are going to get. Uh, they're going to get a lot of work uh, in the next couple of weeks. Question from Tyler Bame, and and this is you know this is a little bit like the uh, the old kiss Mary kill, which is you know I'm I'm keeping that as G rated as possible. But Tyler Bame says uh, start bench cut. So I'm assuming if one of your three goes down, you got to pick a starter. But start bench cut. Deron Bland. Nashawn Wright, Kelvin Joseph. Brian, I don't know about you. My position right now would be, if I got asked, I would say start start Deron Bland, keep Nashawn Wright on the bench, and just move on from Kelvin Joseph. Yeah, you've been very uh, adamant. Matter of fact, on the Cowboys pregame show on Saturday, I believe that Ari Timken and Barry Church asked you that question about what you thought about, uh, you know, Joseph and uh, – that's a difficult one because I feel like that Joseph's a better player than Wright. He just hasn't played like a better player. More talent. He, and, he's incredibly and, and, talented. And that type of talent, when you keep waiting, keep waiting, keep waiting, you end up getting fired because you're waiting for that talent to show up. And it just doesn't show up. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm holding hope. I'm really holding hope that, uh, the Charger week is better for him, and the Seattle week is better for him. Because if it's not, and Wright plays to his practice level, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I just think it's bland right now. It's right after him. And then then what you got with Joseph. Is Kelvin Joseph uh, one of the instances, Kelvin Joseph versus Nashawn Wright or even versus Deron Bland, is that one of those instances of the old adage, uh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard? I think you – is that like a John Woodenism yeah, kind of somebody, thing you just said? Somebody. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, what, we, don't we always ascribe quotes like – Yeah, yeah, that's, that, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Totally, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. No, I, um, I think that was actually a Tony Romo you, quote. I yeah. think you've documented – I think you've documented very well the times I've worked with you on this podcast and the times I've worked with you on your – uh, radio hit with us on 105.3 that there was a very late start in yep. Kelvin Joseph getting going and Nation Wright got going Bland coming in as draft pick I mean Bobby I'm going to be real honest with you and I admitted it last night after the game I was people were talking about Bland oh and you were one of them Bland 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 I'm like what's he doing where where Last night I saw what you guys were seeing. That that right there was like I should have had my eyes open a little bit better for that. But the Kelvin Joseph thing, I I worry because I don't know if he has the mental toughness to fight his way out of this ditch. 
Yeah. And if, you know, if Kelvin Joseph gets cut and Kelvin Joseph and he ends up not going anywhere, Kelvin Joseph will go be a performer somewhere or something. He'll fall. He'll have something he falls back on. But right now, Kelvin Joseph is a player that's not playing with a whole hell of a lot of confidence. Question from Sherbady4 said, heard you and Brian talking on the podcast about, quote, energy that Dak and Zeke brought in 2016. Yeah. Any chance that CD getting more touches brings similar energy to the squad? He's definitely more animated and exciting than Cooper. Um, it should be. I think they they definitely, we've talked about this a lot, they want more juice out of the wide receiver room. And they I do. think that message has been relayed to CD Lamb. And I think CD Lamb is talking more authoritatively. I've referenced the quote several times during OTAs when we talked to him. He said, I feel like if I'm not getting going, this offense isn't getting going. And so I think there is a, a bigger a, a bigger emphasis on on his energy and, and being an alpha and stepping into that role as a number one. Um, but sure, yeah, if CeeDee Lamb really starts to come into his own, they could definitely, I think, feed off of that as a football team. No question. I think you had everything you said is absolutely right. Question here from at Boss Tex. And this is referencing something that we've said before on this podcast. He said, head coach keeps players healthy. Cool. What about yeah. all the other management stuff? Discipline, toughness, culture, in-game decisions. Great question, and I think that's what the Cowboys are trying to ascertain I answered right now. that question for him. I didn't know it was going to be a question you were going to use, and I answered it. You know, I mean, well, it was, it was in reference to someone asked me, what does this head coach do? And I says he keeps his team very healthy. Yeah. And so then everybody's like, oh, well, you know, what about all the other stuff? You know, okay, let me ask you this question, Bobby. I'll just say this. What's the what's the other stuff? What what's the other stuff? Well, I mean, the stuff is that, it is the, it challenges? Is it when to go for it on fourth down? Is it? I, I think to it's walk what, over to Kellen Moore and tell him, you know, hey, you got to do this. I think it's I think it's what he mentions there: the discipline, the toughness, the culture, and the in game decisions. That is and, true. And, and I would say all of those. I think that's honestly what the Cowboys. Are, I think that's what Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones are evaluating this year. I think they're trying to figure out, okay, show us that. So I, I know that's what he's asking is, what about all this other stuff? And I'm telling you, that's what the Cowboys are trying to figure out right now, well, I think. he three years into this, he's responsible for a lot of these players on the team. Yeah. So that's his responsibility. If it's an undisciplined team, he's had a responsibility in that because he brought these players in. Yeah. You know, if you want to talk about game management and all that stuff, yeah, does that lack? Sure. But the the discipline, that's that's on him too because he brought these guys in and he talks about it all the time. The team's lack of toughness at times. I thought they were tough last night running the football. Yeah, I, they surprised me how tough they were. But he uses the word grit. You know, that's a big Mike McCarthy word, grit. Yep. You know, and when we don't see grit, and he's mentioning it, that's on him. You know, that, that's on him. If the team doesn't play with toughness and grit, I thought last night defensively, they played with grit. They didn't give Denver anything running the football last no, night. No, they, they were they were pretty tough And they last ran night. the football themselves. So that's about winning is what that is. That Mark Rippin, or Mark said Mark Rippin. Uh, <laughs> You're Mark, going back about 30 years now. I, I, I went, that's his I dad. Went way back. I went way, way back on that thing like that. Brett Rippin. Brett Griffin, you know, that's, you know, Brett Rippin – is a veteran quarterback. That's the kind of stuff when you when you're evaluating your team, you need Brett Rippin in there throwing the football because you get an idea about your team and all that. So, 
grit, toughness. When 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 grit when Rippin was in there, I felt like they moved the ball better. And there yeah. were a lot of backup guys in there for the Cowboys, but you know some of those guys also had Story Jackson, those guys. Bland, we mentioned that the lowest guys stepped up, but I, I thought early in that game that the Cowboys defensively, I thought, did a pretty damn good job of of working Denver over. That is, uh, that's about all the time we have for today. Hopefully, you guys feel better about this game. I think there was a little bit of a social media freakout last night. Hopefully, we we didn't sugarcoat the bad, but also we gave you some optimistic no. things to look at. Um, and, and we'll be looking ahead. We, we got these Chargers practices coming up, and before you know it, the season will be here. Uh, but uh, that'll do it for us today, and Brian and I will talk to you guys again on Wednesday. <laughs>